Welcome to the inaugural episode of If Songs Could Deliver a Powerful, Self-Motivational Speech. Today, we are looking at the eisegetical masterpiece of self-motivation and holier-than-thou virtue signaling from our friends at Bethel Redding. I have always appreciated the melodic weaponry and the raw volume of this song. I hope that it motivates you to drive out your fears and dispel all of the darkness clouding your life like it has for me. Before we get started, I do want to thank our hosts over at Sound and Worship for giving us the opportunity to share our thoughts and feelings with you. I hope we can motivate you to realize your best self here and now. I will see you on the other side of the powerful self-motivational speech. Hello, I am the song Raise a Hallelujah by Jonathan and Melissa Helzer of Bethel Music, and this is my powerful self-motivating speech. Put your Bibles away as you won't need them, and allow me to help you connect various out-of-context snippets of Bible verses into one semi-coherent message about you and your amazing ability to sing louder than any other pesky voice that might be trying to distract you from your worship. Please listen to my words, but don't feel like you have to think too deeply about them. Hi, and your substitute for playing Raise a Hallelujah. This for sure has nothing to do with sound and worships and willingness to pay Bethel for an MP3. I'm clearing my virtual throat. Cough, cough. I raise a hallelujah, in the presence of my enemies I raise a hallelujah, louder than the unbelief I raise a hallelujah, my weapon is a melody I raise a hallelujah, heaven comes to fight for me. My first line is clearly pulling from Psalm 23 verse 5. I won't read the whole thing to you as the context makes it harder to apply. The important thing to understand is that you have the ability to raise your hallelujah even in the midst of your enemies, such as your fear of brokenness. Don't worry about the Lord's work in preparing the table for you. Instead, focus on your hallelujah and how loud you can make it. My third line is clearly pulling from Ephesians 6 verse 17. Again, I won't bother you with the full context and try not to get too hung up on the whole word of God thing. The melody is more spiritual than the boring orthodoxy of the words. So the actual sword of the Spirit is the music, and it is a very powerful weapon. It may not be able to pierce the division of soul and of spirit or of joints and of marrow, but it will get you in the feels every time. Now, behold the wonderfully tight harmonies of my chorus. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder. You're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes. Hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. One passage I would avoid if you really want to appreciate this chorus is Psalm 51 verses 16 and 17. That passage talks about humble obedience, contrition, and penitence. Those are just big words that get in the way of your hallelujah. 
I think a more meaningful image is that of the phoenix. The phoenix has the innate ability to recreate itself after its death. Just like the phoenix, you can pick yourself back up from your defeats and sing out as loud as you can about the risen king. By the way, the risen king is clearly Jesus. It couldn't possibly be anyone or anything else. This song is on Caleb, after all. You can also tell, given the context of this very song so far, that we are raising hallelujah to Jesus. Just don't worry so much about using the full scripture to learn about who he is or what he wants. Focus on the phoenix and how cool that image is. Now, listen to my second verse. I raise the hallelujah. With everything inside of me, I raise the hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. I raise the hallelujah. In the middle of the mystery, I raise the hallelujah. Fear you lost your hold on me. You might think that these lines were pulled from Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, 1 Samuel 2 verse 9, Romans 11 verse 25, or 1 John 4 verse 18. But the truth is, I've only ever read half of one of those verses, so your guess is as good as mine. Anyway, now is as good a time as any to hit the bridge. Sing a little louder, louder than the unbelief. Sing a little louder, my weapon is a melody. Sing a little louder, heaven comes to fight for me. Sing a little louder in the presence of my enemies. Sing a little louder, louder than the unbelief. Sing a little louder, my weapon is a melody. Sing a little louder, heaven comes to fight for me. Sing a little louder. I am a huge fan of this bridge. I didn't even have to do any additional work in writing it, since it is just verse 1 repeated over and over again. In fact, the repetition in this section reminds me of a story from 1 Kings chapter 18, when some priests were crying out over and over again for God to come and show himself. I get fuzzy on the details, but I like to think of myself as calling out to that same God with the same enthusiasm as my cry gets louder and louder and louder. As you sing this song and raise your hallelujah, keep in mind just who it is that is most important during your worship. Remember to sing loud enough for your God to hear you and you alone as you pour everything inside of yourself into your hallelujah. This concludes my powerful self-motivational speech, but be sure to keep listening as my bridge and chorus will never actually end. They will merely quiet down before building back up so they can always remind you to keep raising your hallelujah. All right. Well, I hope you guys are motivated by that extremely powerful motivational speech. Um if you just noticed that you have not been hearing my voice uh, as, as preaching the sermon or giving the motivational speech, that's because it wasn't me. Um, you know, it's a different kind of a Southern accent. Uh, so I'd like to introduce to you my friend Brian Emerson from the Balm and Gilead podcast. Brian, thank you for coming on and, and doing this today. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Yeah, so great to have you on. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten tired of doing all these uh, sermons and, and podcasts by myself on these, so it was great to have you come in and uh, just motivate us all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, and if and if you're listening, if you're listening to this the day after this drops, and you might you might miss a thing or two, but today is uh, right. Today is the first of April of 2021. I think that's that might right. Be a little that's important. exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that is a key thing to remember, listeners. So this yes. is April the first, 2021. Um, and you know, if you if you don't know what that means, uh, I'm sorry for you. But, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Brian, so you're from the Bob and Gilead podcast. It's a podcast mm-hmm. that I really enjoy. And um, would you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So Bob and Gilead uh, kind of started uh, between, uh, is a conversation between me and, uh, and a friend of mine named Grant. And uh, so we started just talking about uh, discernment and uh, with, uh, with CCM, contemporary Christian music, work, praise and worship songs, stuff like that. And, and uh, we were both really bothered with a lot of the things that we were hearing on the radio. And, um, and so we, we kind of thought world needs a podcast out there where people are actually, uh, you know, warning people of false doctrine and songs and trying to really uh, kind of flesh out like what makes a, a good song a good song uh, versus um, a catchy song or a, a self-motivational song or things like that. Um, and uh, I think there might only be two podcasts out there that are dealing with with that. And that would be Balm and Gilead <laughs> and If Songs Could Preach. And uh, so I reached out to you and we've been hanging out online, and uh, we actually had uh, had you on our last episode of Bomb and Gilead, and uh, yes, and yeah, we have extended that invitation to you to uh, to remain. So uh, we look forward to that. Yes, yes, I definitely look forward to that too. And you know, it's great to uh, to find another podcast that that does something similar to what If Songs Could Preach does, and you know, that's great. Uh, and yeah, listener, um, if you haven't heard of the Bob McGilead podcast, you definitely need to check it out. Because uh, like like uh, Brian was saying, I'll be on there with Grant and as well. And uh, for the for this season and for who knows how long, uh, and that'll be that'll be great. It'll be something that you definitely want to tune into. Um, those episodes are a little bit longer than these two, so like if you're a truck driver or you just love listening to podcasts or something like that, it's perfect. So. Yeah, we, we do release every other week, so it gives you a, a chance to listen to the whole thing. Um, oh, yeah. But I, I would say one of the big differences between Balm and Gilead and If Songs Could Preach, uh, your podcast, you focus on the good songs. You, you find the ones yeah. that are already <laughs> doctrinally rich, and then you, you find that sermon that's already in there. Whereas we are more of a discernment podcast that is trying to point out where things go wrong. Uh, kind of mm-hmm. like the self-motivational speech that uh, that you just heard. <laughs> um, and I did I did want to say that it was intentionally supposed to be satire. Um, it yeah. was an over exaggeration, but it was meant it was meant to prove a point. And uh, the the song "Raise a Hallelujah." It's just it's just so me focused. If you go back and you and you look at all of the lyrics, it talks about my hallelujah. Like I raise a hallelujah. I do this. I do that. And it's and you're gonna hear me roar. Like it's you know it's it's all about <laughs> me, me, me. So much so that it actually fails to ever mention God at all in the song. Like it never once actually mentions God. the The closest it gets is it says the King is alive, um, 
which as Christians, we do agree that Jesus Christ is the risen and conquering King and that he is alive and that he is the only one worthy of praise. However, the right. song doesn't, doesn't really go there. It just says the King is alive. Uh, it is vague enough to where uh, other perspectives can kind of insert their own, uh, their own take into that. And so it's just kind of, it, it's, if, the point of the song is to raise your hallelujah, then why aren't you uh, directing that hallelujah towards something tangible? Like give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his uh, steadfast love endures forever. You know, that's, that's kind of what we see in the Bible. Right. Yeah. That's a great point. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's nice to be able to look at a song like this too. Like you said, uh, kind of in a discernment sort of way, um, because like you said, yeah, if songs could preach, we haven't done anything like this. Uh, even though on Sound and Worship we have articles, we definitely haven't put anything like audio-wise together. So it's it's a good opportunity to do that. Like Brian was saying, it is satire. Um, you can liken it to uh, one of the passages we're going to read from First Kings, um, where Elijah mocks, you know, mocks Baal and and what's going on in that that passage that we'll end up reading, but. Um, yeah, those are great points, and uh, it, it's, it is crazy that they, you know, it, it's crazy how many people will not look into stuff like this, um, and I've, I've been that person before, mm-hmm. um, so I just look back and think, wow, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's so easy to just, to, to take a song like this and just, just sing it, um, not even thinking about that it's not explicitly talking about God's attributes or his truth is, you know, it, it's, it's empty of that. Yeah. It is, it is crazy. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's focusing all of its energy on proving the greatness of the praise instead mm-hmm. of using praise to prove the greatness of Christ. Um, right. It also, it doesn't use scripture accurately to make its point at all. Uh, the, um, the proper way to use scripture would be to take an idea found in scripture, to be reading scripture and pick up on an idea in scripture and then use other scriptures to help magnify that idea. Um, that would mm-hmm. be you know, an exegetical uh, uh, approach, but this is, is an eisegetical approach, which is they have an idea and then they cherry pick different snippets of scripture to help back up that idea. They don't take any of mm-hmm. the, the the passages in context and they uh, and they really just miss the point on all of the of the passages that they do touch on. But because they talked about the Bible, it feels more spiritual. It feels more Christian because they are using biblical language. And that can be a mask that um, that people will hear the line in the presence of my enemies like, oh yeah, I recognize that from the Bible. And then they like give it a pass. Um, mm-hmm. That's right, and uh, there was some, there was uh, something that I did say in the motivational speech that I wanted to clarify, uh, and that is yeah. uh, repetition is not bad. Uh, go read Psalm one thirty six and try to argue that repetition is bad. Um, for his steadfast love endures forever, uh, mm-hmm. but there's a time and place for repetition, and I did want to, and I also want to acknowledge that this song doesn't necessarily abuse the repetition. I've, I've definitely heard it worse in other songs, but the repetition of the line sing a little louder. It just, it made me ask the question, why, why am I singing a little mm-hmm. louder? What, what is the point behind 
singing a little louder. And uh, I can only think of a handful of reasons why someone would would be pushing that, sing a little louder, sing a little louder, sing a little louder. And uh, either the singer is more concerned with his own song than the listener's preferences, or the singer is convinced that a higher volume is necessary for the listener to hear. Uh, Both of those are bad. Uh, Those aren't God-centered. And it's also noteworthy that nowhere in scripture does God ever request volume as a requirement for, for worship. Right. He, he says, make a joyful noise. Um, but he never mm-hmm. says make a loud noise, like speak so loud. You got to talk louder so that I can hear you. That's never one of the things, but like you mentioned in first Kings, that really reminds me of the prophets of Baal who, who are crying mm-hmm. out all day, uh, all morning into the afternoon with increasing urgency and likely an increase in volume with no reply. Uh, would you care to to read that passage, First uh, Kings 18, 25 to 29? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And like you were talking about too, you know, there's not a holy decibel level, I guess, is, <laughs> yes. is one way to put it. <laughs> but yeah, so First Kings 18, 25 through 29 says... Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered, and they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Yeah, that's that's. I, I mean, every time that I hear this song, I think of that passage. And you know, if you hear a song, it should it should bring you to a you know good place in Scripture. But I, mm-hmm. I, I can't get around the song without thinking of of that particular passage. Um, I do think that a very good passage to describe the heart that I hear uh, from this song versus the heart that I believe that God requires from us is found in Luke 18, uh, verses 10 to 14. That's how it says, mm-hmm. uh, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Um, The line, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. If you look mm-hmm. at that objectively and compare it to this passage, that comes that's from the voice of of the Pharisee, not from the tax collector. Mm-hmm. And so Yeah, it is so odd. Yeah. yeah. Um and you know, all in all, like that's kind of where I 
I get out of this song. Um, I did want to kind of go through some of the scriptures that I used in my, uh, in my motivational speech and, and mm-hmm. kind of talk about what is actually being said in the scripture versus what the song was trying to make it say. Um, yeah. In Psalm 23, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, this being the context, you know, God is the one who's doing the work. God is the one who is preparing the table before me. I, I haven't chosen to be in the presence of my enemies. I have found myself in the presence of my enemies, but God is still there mm-hmm. preparing my table and um, he's anointing my head with oil. My cup is overflowing. And so there's this, uh, you know, God is doing all the work. I am in a place of turmoil, but I have this peace and uh, because God is with me and he is not only with me, he is orchestrating all of it. Whereas in the song, it's a, uh, you know, as I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Um, there's also like my weapon is a melody, which we'll get into in just a little bit, but it's almost <laughs> like I'm going to instigate stuff. It's like I am resting mm-hmm. in my own power and in my own voice to go out into my enemies with my, with my uh, melodious weapon and <laughs> ready, ready to, to win the the battle for myself. I mean, it's, I don't know, that might be, that might not be a gracious reading, but uh, it's definitely me focused and it misses the point of you prepare a table before me. Uh, right. Yeah. That's, those are good points for sure. Talking about, you know, it, one thing that came to mind is like, you know, talking about me centered worship, you know, it's something obviously we're, we're in church or wherever we're worshiping the Lord, we're, we're there to worship the Lord. Uh, and I like how this section that you chose from Psalm 23, you can still mention, you can mention me or I, but then mm-hmm. talk about how the Lord is doing the work and the Lord is the one who deserves glory. Um, so I, that's one one thing I got from that passage too, that um, I think is a key to remember uh, as well. Yeah, the Lord has done all the work and I still get to rest and I still get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so mm-hmm. I don't have to go out and earn that. I don't have to go out and, and convince God with my loud argument to give that to me. He's given, he's already given that to me and I just have to rest in That's it. That's right. Um, yeah. Ephesians 6, uh, 13 through 20. I won't, I won't read the whole thing, but it's, mm-hmm. uh, cause you don't, you don't need all that context. Um, <laughs> uh, joke. Um, so this <laughs> passage is the whole, you know, therefore take up the whole armor of God and it lists each one. Uh, and then in verse 17, it says, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That's the mm-hmm. only weapon listed in the whole thing. The rest of them are defensive. Um, mm-hmm. But that is the only offensive that we have. The only weapon that we have is the word of God who like, and it's kind of a double entendre. We get the scripture and the scripture is how we can combat Satan. We see Jesus do that. Um, mm-hmm. But also the word of God is Jesus. Uh, you know, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And yeah. so our weapon is Christ himself. And so uh, we can rest in that, but we also have to work in the processing of the scripture. And so, we we can rest in in Christ as we also work through the scripture. Um, 
And that's, that is our weapon. The melody aspect. My weapon is a melody. Melody is the most subjective part of the song. <laughs> Uh, it carries no moral weight one way or the other. I, I've I've said before, um, you know, what is the moral difference between da 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 and ba 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 na? There's no moral difference between those two. There's just the associative lyrical difference, and so we uh, mm-hmm. the lyrics are different, and one is quote unquote holier than the other, but the melodies are more or less uh, like subjectively the same. Um, right. And so resting in this, this subjective uh, artistic thing as your weapon is just completely missing the point and will mm-hmm. not lead you anywhere. Uh, that passage from Rome, uh, from uh, Hebrews four twelve for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So that is where we, that is our weapon. Our weapon is the, the living and active word of God, not, not some melody that just is like the, the blowing of the wind. Right. Yeah. It's just so, it's so interesting. And it is these kind of songs too, that, when you're, I've, I've been in churches where this is, this would be the song where everyone would be so engaged, oh yeah, and just singing to the top of their lungs, and then it's what they're singing doesn't even make sense, right? Um, so it's just, it's crazy. I mean, we apply scripture like, like you're doing, and it just completely dismantles it. And uh, and I'm just thinking of this. First uh, Corinthians thirteen one says, "If I speak in the mm-hmm. tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal." Um, mm-hmm. That is also really applicable here because you know if I am just focusing on myself, then I, it's just it's just noise. Like that melody, like this, my weapon is a melody. It's just noise. It's not it's not helpful. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, he, it takes the love and not just this vague understanding of it, but the First Corinthians 13 understanding of it to, to carry any weight. Um, right. Psalm 51 is, uh, is famously known as the psalm that David wrote after he sinned with Bathsheba and uh, was approached by Nathan the prophet and repented. Mm-hmm. And uh, in verse 16 and 17, it says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Um, I'm always reminded of the story of Saul offering the sacrifice because Samuel was late. And so he was like, people are leaving. I need to offer this sacrifice now so that we can get it done, so we can go to war. And that was the act that cost him the throne. And mm-hmm. um, and so David realizes that you would not delight in sacrifices or I would give it. But a broken spirit and a contrite heart you will not despise. Um, and so that's, that is what we need. This song is absolutely not a broken spirit and contrite heart. But on the same note, there's a lot of psalms that don't really carry that brokenness and contrition with them. Uh, there are psalms of just praise for praise sake, uh, but they are always praising God for something. And often it's 
for the forgiveness of sins, which comes after mm-hmm. the broken and contrite heart and repentance. Um, but it's it's important to note that uh, that this particular song doesn't it doesn't even get close to talking about sin. It doesn't even remotely get close to actually talking about a gospel <laughs> message. Uh, the the king is alive. Death is defeated. Is is it like that's death is defeated? Is the closest that it gets to talking about sin, and that's not nearly close enough. Right. Yeah, they don't talk about what brought that death uh, <laughs> that needs to be defeated by right. by only Christ. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, there's a line that I said, and it was kind of a joke where I, I threw out four uh, passages of scripture, and then I said, I've only ever read half of one of those. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go through each of those uh, passages, and then we can kind of wrap up. But sure. Deuteronomy 6 5 is, uh, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That was what I was referring to with everything inside of me. Um, I, I'd say that would be a very. Uh, a very charitable understanding of that line uh, with everything inside of Mm -hmm. me being my heart, soul and mind. Um, But you don't get that from, from that line at all. The, the Mm -hmm. next one, I will watch the darkness flee. Uh, I said, first Samuel two, nine, which says he will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness for not by might shall a man prevail. That was kind of a joke because this song is kind of trying to uh, prevail by man's might and not really be faithful to the scripture at all. And so uh, this song will be cut off into darkness. It won't actually watch the darkness <laughs> flee. It will be overcome by it. Um, the next line, very similarly, which was in the middle of the mystery, which is, I think, the most vague thing you can ever say. Like it's... Yeah. It's it's a vague sentence to begin with, but then the subject matter of it is even more vague. So it's vague inception in the middle of the mystery. Um, and so in Romans eleven twenty five it says, "Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in." Um, so I'm kind of poking fun and saying that I believe that the that many of the hearts of people over in Bethel have been hardened um, because mm-hmm. they are trying to be wise in their own sight. Um, right. Finally, first John four eighteen, which, uh, which this is to the line fear, you lost your hold on me, which probably really is uh, being taken out of context from the first part of this verse, because a lot of songs take the first part of this verse and then ignore the second part of this verse. First part says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. I hear that quoted all the time. However, the second part of this verse says, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. This is a verse about the assurance of pardon. It's not about like my fears of brokenness or my, you know, these things that are getting in the way of my true worship. It's 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 not, it, it isn't this vague looming boogeyman of a fear it's <laughs> fear has to do with punishment it is very clear in the same verse for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love uh reading the whole book of first john really really makes this clear but it's all about the assurance of pardon there is no there is no fear in love so if you've been perfected in love 
then you have nothing to be afraid of eternally. You have no fear of punishment because you can rest in the love of Christ who has died for you and who has saved you from your sins, not from your fears. So, yeah, that was kind of where I was going with that. Right. And I mean, like, you know, going through those verses, you know, the crazy thing is it it passes the smell test for most churches. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the scary thing. Like, I've heard countless testimonies of of people going to their elders and worship, you know, worship pastors and, and having conversations with them in love because it's not like a game mm-hmm. that we're, we're not out to do this just to, to make fun of, of Bethel. And, you know, we'd like to see people right. from Bethel, you know, repent and, and mm-hmm. pursue sound doctrine from God's word. But, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. It kind of reveals the motivation of what these worship leaders are, are trying to do. It seems that they're trying to, you know, please the congregation and to just seeing what's what's popular. You know, what what is CCLI telling me to to uh, use for worship music? So, right, it's it's incredible. Yeah. So that is the sermon that uh, this song would preach. It would not be a very good sermon. It would be pretty heterodoxical sermon. Uh, it kind of forgets Jesus and doesn't talk about sin. So that's why I said self-motivation, because that's really what this is about. Mm-hmm. It's about motivating yourself to make yourself feel better by worshiping the God of self. So yeah. uh, if your church sings this song, I would I would honestly suggest, one, don't sing it. Mm-hmm. If, if this song get played, just she don't sing it, cross your arms and pray. Yeah. And uh, then try to talk to your worship pastor in love. And if that gets you church disciplined, then maybe you should become a Presbyterian. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's some good advice. Even though I'm a Baptist, uh, I, I, I can see where you're coming from there, <laughs> Brian. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that, that, that's a good point. I also I had a friend, I won't expose who this is, but um, I had a friend who was looking at the, the set list or, or, you know, the bulletin or something. It was going to say which songs were being played. And uh, he told me he needed to take a knee and protest. Um, but yeah, I don't know <laughs> if he actually did, but I, I just thought that was hilarious. But but yeah, yeah. so that, that pretty much wraps up this episode. Uh, it was so great having you on, Brian, and uh, I hope we can get you on some more in the future. Um, especially if we yeah, do absolutely. episodes like this. Yeah, you're, you're definitely welcome to do it. Um, and like uh, we were talking about earlier, you know, check out the Balm and Gilead podcast. Um, not because I'll be over there, uh, but just because it's a great podcast. And, you know, uh, it, it goes into kind of what we're talking about today uh, and even in more in depth. Uh, we also there's also a lot of fun to be had over on that podcast too. So um, definitely, definitely worth worth checking out the bomb in Gilead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, real life is coming, and so I must adjourn. But I do appreciate <laughs> you for having me on here. I enjoyed it a lot. Awesome, awesome. Glad to have you on, guys. Uh, this wraps up this episode of If Songs Could Preach, uh, a podcast by Sound and Worship. You can find us on Facebook under the name Sound and Worship, and uh, we're on Parlor as well. And you can also check out our YouTube channel uh, for some uh, some videos on worship music topics. Uh, you guys have a great rest of your April. 
Uh, and don't be fooled again today. Bye, y'all.